Hey, it's Karen Hunter from the Karen Hunter Show on Sirius XM Urban View. Here's a highlight from today's show. He is 23 years old. He is the lead advocate at 51 for 51, commissioner on the D.C. Mayor's Commission on Juvenile Justice Reform as well. Let me welcome Mr. Jamal Holtz. Thank you for having me, Karen. Good to see you. Good to see see you. Good to see you, young young blood. Um, So before we get into why D.C. should be a state, why do you care? Why have you why have you joined this fight? Why are you involved? Yeah, the fight for for me, the fight for statehood for me, it's personal, and it, and it starts with growing up as a young kid in Washington D.C. and uh, and really seeing uh, my community uh, lose out on a lot. Uh, and when I say that, at the age of sixteen, I, I grew up as a community advocate and wanted to be involved in my community and advocate on the issues that that were facing Black and Brown communities in Washington D.C. And as I started to understand a lot of these issues more, I started to understand how they were pretty prevalent in my own household. Um, and, and when I was 16 years old, the, there was a the, the discussions around the Affordable Care Act and, and ensuring that every American family had the basic opportunity to, to health insurance and quality health insurance and to be able to walk into a hospital to get basic treatment. And, and that was something that me as a 16 year old wanted to advocate for uh, because my family didn't have access to quality health insurance. We didn't have access to health insurance to be able to walk into the hospital to get treatment or, or even preventative care covered. Um, and when the call to action was, uh, when President Obama made the call to action, call your senator. Uh, and I realized my shadow senators didn't have a vote uh, in, in our Senate. I realized that my advocacy at that point ended in the mayor's office. Uh, and that's where I started to get involved with the DC statehood movement and advocating for DC statehood and realize that realize that the injustice exists right here in our nation's capital. There are majority black and brown uh, residents who are American citizens and do not have vote and representation in their Congress. And we started this organization 51 for 51 two years ago to, to, to center young black people in the movement and, and make it a national movement. And we said that if 51 votes was enough for Mitch McConnell, to, to confirm three Supreme Court justices, then it should be enough to, for democracy. It should be enough for statehood. So we said 51 for 51. Let's make DC the 51st state with 51 votes in the Senate. So, you know, and, and as I'm, you know, to me it's a no brainer, but I get uh, that power never gives up power without a fight. And this is a power struggle right now. And it's a white power struggle. It's not, it's not just about power in itself. It's about, you know, the, the fear that somehow, you know, the position, the privilege uh, will be taken away if you people, you know, if you people, and they know that D.C. is Chocolate City, so they already know demographically where the power is going to sit, and that's why we're seeing all this voter suppression. It's not a coincidence, and you talk about Mitch McConnell. It's not a coincidence that when Barack Obama was elected president of the United States of America that they got busy locally, and they got busy with the judges, and they got busy with the suppression. Uh, and we, we, we were happy partying and going to the White House and taking pictures and, you know, taking pictures and, and being, going to egg rolls, uh, Easter egg rolls. But th- this is where the battle is. So for, for a young person, tell me about your, your household, Jamal. Like, who, who are your people and, and how did you even have the sensibilities to go, oh, let me get involved? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I was I was raised by a single parent mom right here in Washington D.C. Uh, and had four other siblings, so uh, I was one of five kids, and 
I mean, I think I was a favorite child, as I like to say, I was the second youngest. Um, but but really, like it, it was, you know, growing up in what we call Chocolate City, um, it, it comes with like a level of grit. Like it, it comes with like being from a city that that um, that preaches black culture, black arts and history. Uh, and where this was literally the Mecca for black success, uh, not just from an arts and culture standpoint, uh, but even when you look at black home ownership rates, um, like DC was that place that black people wanted to be. And, and of course, like history plays, plays uh, reasons on why, um, but, but, but for me, I didn't, I didn't come from a family of politicians or people who wanted, who were advocates. I came from a family that were mostly disenfranchising and had lack of opportunity growing up low in, in low-income communities. And, and for me, uh, I, the, the way that I wanted to make change was was getting involved in politics. And I, I joined this program called the Marion Barry Youth Leadership Institute. Uh, it was founded by a former mayor, Marion Barry, um, who was the, the people's mayor, the mayor for life, who we call. Uh, and that program was to train young people, for over 400, 500 young people in Washington, D.C on the importance of getting involved and the importance of civic engagement. And that was Marion Barry's model, like take it to the streets, learn about your government, learn about uh, uh, how to advocate for particular issues. And, and that was unique for my family. So um, I was that advocate of my family and I was the advocate of change because as I started to see the issues more and more in my community from like gun violence, uh, quality of uh, affordable housing, quality of life issues, and uh, poverty, I, I started to see how those things were prominent in my own household. So I wanted to take action. I wanted to make change and lack of statehood. As I started to learn more about statehood, I started to understand that our lack of having statehood, of, of not having voting representation, when the decision makers on the Hill are talking about health insurance and, and women's reproductive rights all the time. And for us not to have a voice on that, uh, we're losing out on millions and millions of dollars to, to really help black communities prosper. Um, we've seen this in the past year alone, where in a place like Washington, DC, where the pandemic disproportionately affected black and brown communities, African-American communities, and you and you see DC where the population is majority black and brown uh, be stripped $700 million from COVID relief funds, like that's a problem. And you see states like Wyoming, and in Vermont, where they have a lesser population than Washington, D.C., have about 1.6% 1, 1. Black population receive much more in funds than Washington, D.C. So um, lack of statehood really roots to, to, to racial justice, racism, and, and really uh, our fight to help our community prosper. And I'll make one more point that they say that it's projected that when D.C. becomes a state that we'll receive $2 billion more billion in revenue to support local program and in, 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 in local infra infrastructure and, and that's supporting our black and brown communities because again like all boats must ride rise with the tides and if, if we're going to be a city that's going to continue a pro that, that's going to continue to prosper we have to ensure that our black and brown communities uh, experience that prosperity as well man i just really want to appreciate you uh and your work um, particularly your political analysis and shaping um, when you say stuff like, you know, uh, forever mayor, mayor for life, Mary and Barry, mm -hmm. then folks have this understanding of where you're coming from uh, in the district and the DMV um, in that you honor that organizing model, that civic engagement model, that people first model. 
Um, so uh, just really want to appreciate that. I also just want to make clear, uh, you may have more to say about this, that 51 for 51 is making a two-step proposition, right? That it's, yes, D.C. should be the 51st state, but also you're making a very clear statement about um, the filibuster right now. Uh, this filibuster conversation is going on right now, this rec requirement um, that you need more votes than that, um, but you're arguing for a simple majority, which means you're also arguing for filibuster reform. Uh, and it's interesting that um, President, Bi President Biden, uh, Vice President Kamala Harris are listed as endorsements uh, for 51 for 51. Um, how do you feel about how clear or how forceful they've been or the lack thereof on filibuster reform mm -hmm. and bringing these two, two issues together? Yeah, I mean, um, I, I think there was a lot there, but I think one, like, you're right, 5151 is, is that two-step process, but it's not a hard process at all uh, in, in which people frame it as, and it, it's, it's the filibuster, right? We're, we're, we aren't going to let, we came too far together to let the filibuster uh, stop us from reaching true progress. And um, the, the uh, this filibuster is a Senate loophole that allows a minority of senators to block legislation favored by the majority. Uh, and, and as senators are pointing out, the filibuster has blocked racial justice and civil rights bills for decades. We've seen it block anti-lynching bills. We've seen it attempt to block the Civil Rights Act and, and Voting Rights Act of 1965. Uh, and voters want to see progress on racial justice, uh, and they want to see that their votes count. Uh, and, and our current Senate makeup, this uh, uh, like it, 100 overwhelmingly uh, um, supports the majority of. Uh, uh, represents majority of, of the residents, uh, I mean, American citizens. So when we talk about the filibuster in, in passing DC statehood with 51 votes, um, for us, it's, it, we're gonna preach democracy and live up to our true ideals as a country. Uh, we can't allow things like the filibuster to stand in the way of reaching that democracy uh, and, and not let the politics of this all overpower the people's voice. Um, I always talk about putting people over party and yes, you're right. Um, Joe Biden and uh, President Biden and Vice President Harris endorsed our mission uh, when we were when we were uh, making this fight uh, and literally following young people from Washington, D.C., young black people from Washington, D.C., going all across the country and getting presidential candidates to endorse our mission. Uh, it was it was great to get the opportunity to, to get people like President uh, Biden and Vice President Harris to endorse our mission and other candidates. But what really moved it for me was was connecting with the people in those communities because I think for far too long the fight for DC statehood has sat on the backs of Washingtonians and people who live in DC. Uh, and, and truly we have to make this an American issue. Like as Martin Luther King says, like an injustice anywhere is a theft of justice everywhere. And you'll be amazed that when you go to places like South Carolina and talk to black folk in, in South Carolina and they not they not know that DC is in the state, and you go to places like in Houston uh, or in Detroit, and you talk about DC statehood, and people are like what people in Washington DC don't have to be able to vote for it. They don't vote for a senator, or uh, they don't have voting rights. And, and when you say those things to everyday Americans, uh, to people, to Black people in these communities, it's it's bringing more and more people along in the fight. Um, and, and that's what we made this fight about: is making it a national issue and not just a, a fight that sit on the backs of Washington DC uh, residents. Jamal Holtz is here. Um, you can follow him uh, on Twitter, of course, at Jamal Holtz, H-O-L-T-Z. 
what does it require? Take a step by step. People who are listening right now, yeah, it's not enough for us to be engaged and to know that, yeah, D.C. should be a state. We, I think people who are listening agree. And I, What's the opposition to that? 866-801-8255. What do they tell you is a good reason why D.C. should not be a state? I mean, I, I, <laughs> I mean, let me just start with a little bit of history here. Like, disputes about statehood have always been about race. Like, segregationists uh, didn't want to admit Hawaii or New Mexico uh, into the United States because their population was too indigenous or the culture didn't fit. Or like the, the people, there were majority people of color. And, and you hear some of those dog whistle language, that dog whistle language now. Uh, about the fight for D.C. statehood, right? You hear Republicans say things like uh, Washingtonians aren't real people because uh, we don't have enough lodgers or, or factory workers living in the District of Columbia or there, there's no airports or there's no car dealerships in the District of Columbia. Um, and and to, this is all like coded language that is blatantly racist and, and we won't stand for it. Like D.C. statehood is literally the most pressing civil rights issue of our lifetime. Uh, and, and we need statehood to really uplift black and brown voices in our Senate. We've, we, we've, you can count on your hand how many black senators we've had uh, represented in our Senate. And to add more people who look like us and represent our interests into the Senate, uh, that's important. Uh, and and it, it's very sad that 56 years ago, we had people like John Lewis fighting for uh, voting rights. And 56 years later, there are still people who live in Washington, D.C. who do not have voting representation. And, and, and what, what disgusts me about all of this in this fight and, and some of the language that, that I hear all the time is that uh, um, that D.C. should move back to Maryland or Virginia. Um, and, and, and literally retrocession, the strategy around retrocession has always been rooted into racism and the, 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 the slavery movement right like you saw places like alexandria virginia that was once a part of the district of columbia and part of the reason why they wanted to move back to virginia was because they did they wanted to still be able to, to partake in the slave trade um because dc would out was going to outlaw uh the trade uh enslaved people so the white people in alexandria said no we don't want to be a part of the district of columbia no more we want voting representation and we want to be able to trade enslaved people and we saw that with many other states, the, the Missouri Compromise, when the reason why Maine became a state as a free state, uh, it they said that the, the only way we're going to make Maine a state is if we, make, we if, if we add another slave state into the union. So statehood for many years in our entire country's history has always been rooted into racism and subjugation. It's about control. It's about uh, 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 simplifying the Black voice and, and not allowing uh, uh, us to uplift the black voice in, 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 in black power. So when we hear this coded dog whistle language and racist language around not making DC a state, um, the way we revert, the, my question I always ask is, are you okay with American citizens who pay federal taxes to not have representation in their Congress, to not have representation uh, in their union? And, and a lot of people always, always talk about the constitution and what the foundation of this country was about. If we're going to play that card, the foundation of this country was built on the principles of no taxation without representation. So whether you're Republican, Democrat, or independent, like you deserve, if you if you pay federal taxes, if you pay taxes, then you deserve representation. And, and it, it, this is about suppressing the black voice and black vote, which is why you see a lot of Republican opposition to, um, to statehood. Well, let's put it in perspective. Um, the state of Wyoming, state of Wyoming has roughly 563,000 people. 1.5% yep. black. 
Um, state of Vermont has 625,000 people, uh, yep. 1% black. North Dakota, 672,000, uh, roughly almost 673,000. What's the percentage of black people there? Mm. Uh, Alaska, 710,000 uh, people live there. All of these states have two senators. And all except for Alaska have fewer people than live in D.C. All of them. Alaska's comparable. 710,000. It's about 709,000, 708,000 folk that live in D.C. currently. How can those states have two senators representing those people and D.C. has zero. No. Yeah. And, and I don't, yeah. No, uh, sorry, uh, uh, Reverend Wilson. I was just going to make a point on, on the Dakotas, right? Like, people talk about D.C. Talk, uh, wanting to become a, uh, it's going to be a power grab for Democrats to add D.C. into the union. I mean, there were literally eight states added to the union in the late 1890s, North Dakota and South Dakota. And the reason why they're, they're, they're split is because they wanted more Republicans added into the Senate to equal the playing field. Like, that's the power grab. Like, th- there's nothing about adding power to the Senate. It's about adding Black power, but it's not about a Democrat or Republican thing. It's about voting rights. And, and we have to live up to those ideals. Reverend Wilson, take it. Yeah, I was just going to, I mean, the other racial justice calculus on this point, uh, yes, to make a comparison to those who are states, but then the other way is to look at those that are territories. Um, The black and brown places like American Samoa, Guam, um, Puerto Rico, the U.S. Virgin Islands, also filled with also people who are under U.S. sovereignty, um, but lack representation in the Senate. Um, So the places that we do this to are places where black and brown people live. Um, And um, and so, you know, if we were talking about full citizenship, quite frankly, we'd be having an even more robust discussion. But to your point, in this moment right now with this administration, you know, with five months left before, you know, everybody turns their eyes back toward uh, 2022, it's really important that people focus on talking to their representatives and quite frankly, increasing pressure on Democratic representatives um, to engage the filibuster reform debate, uh, to do it however it needs to happen, including reconciliation and call other people a challenge yeah. Um, because it is this critical racial justice issue. And is that what we should, that's what we should be doing. Everyone listening to, to you today, Jamal, uh, Jamal Holtz is here, of course, uh, Reverend Dr. Starsky Wilson, everybody can pick up their phone. It, what impact will that have? How do we actually get this done? Give us the blueprint. Yeah. I mean, I think we have a rare opportunity to unlock a progressive agenda that will impact black and brown Americans for generations to come. Like uh, we talked about the Biden-Harris administration supporting statehood and, 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 and just to take Jamal, us over. Walk us through step by step. How do we get I'm statehood? Don't take us on a long journey. This is, uh, <laughs> you know, we got very little time left. I want, I want, I don't want you to leave here without people knowing exactly what needs to happen. To get what needs statehood. to happen? What needs to happen is we we just had a hearing in the Senate uh, a few weeks ago, and, and the next step is to have a markup on that bill. So what we need people to do is call their senators, whether you're in state or out of state, or call those last four senators who haven't signed on yet, 
uh, and, and after the hearing, there's a there's a there's a vote on DC statehood, and then there, it'll go to the president desk for sign. So that's the that's where we are now. Who are the, the four senators? Uh, you have Senator King, uh, Senator King from Maine. You have Senator Cinema and, and Cinema um, Senator uh, Kelly from Arizona, and then you have Senator Manchin from West Virginia. All right. So if we bombard. Uh, Mansion, who needs to be bombarded anyway? Mansion, Kelly, Cinema, another one, and Keen. Uh, all of us listening, whether we live there or not, you know, go to their websites. They, uh, we, we heard from many people that said when you call, they register every call, so they know that you're calling. They, they react to to the volume. Let's make our voices heard on these four and say very simply, make DC a state. Is that the message? Right. I mean, call any simple. senator, but especially those four. That's the message. King. Okay, Senator, is it uh, the King? What's his name? Is it King from Maine? King. Yeah. Yep. Right, King. Okay, I wrote that down. I'm gonna do that as soon as I get off the phone. It takes you not. It doesn't cost you anything to do that. It's just doesn't. Time. It right, doesn't. Gonna... You can visit our website too, fifty one fifty one, to 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 really take action and, and pull a toolkit to help you with that. Okay, got a whole toolkit. All right, we'll tweet that out as well because you know I feel sometimes we a lot of us don't know what to do, so you know we we yell into the void, <laughs> no, and that's just oxygen wasted. Let's let's put this energy to work and see what happens. Is there a time frame upon which? Because since Mary and Barry, we've been talking about statehood for DC. I remember that growing up. Is there a time frame for this bill to get uh, through the Senate at least and get on Joe Biden's desk, President Biden's desk? I mean, the urgency is now. We need to call on people to push forward for that markup and, and, and to have a vote on it. Okay. So now. <laughs> All right. Now. All right. Senator King in Maine, Cinema. We know that name because there's an obstructionist uh, space with her and Joe Manchin, uh, West Virginia, and Senator Kelly. We get on. We'll, we'll even tweet out, make it easy. All right. We'll make it easy. And there's a kit at your website. What's the website? 51for51.org. Hey, this is Karen Hunter. You can listen to The Karen Hunter Show live every Monday through Friday at 3 p.m. East on Sirius XM Urban View Channel 126 or anytime on the Sirius XM app.